Hello, everyone. Welcome to the RGMG Podcast, Episode 8. I'm your host, Carl Utch, with me, PK. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm just kidding, but still, uh, the show must go on. Carl Utch is out. Um, he told me he was getting high tonight, so he might have just passed out. Um, it's 12.30 over there, so it's definitely reasonable. So the show must go on, and uh, let's go over some league stuff. So standings-wise, it looks the same as last year. You got the Canadians and Bruins at the top. Penguins at the top. The Stars have bounced back and looking like a force, so maybe they'll go for cup number three this year. And in the Pacific, it looks like the Oilers have overtaken the Coyotes as the top dog. So not much uh, to talk about there. Um, we'll give a shout-out to uh, to the Carolina Hurricanes, who have been taken over by the Jazz 97, who was on the last episode, and they're second place in the Metro. So maybe the Jazz can uh, add a couple pieces and make them a legit contender. As for stats, um, the top four right now are David Pasternak, Denny Gordon, Kirill Dorinchenko, and Sebastian Ajo. David Pasternak's having a great year, so that's great to see as a Blackhawk GM. And uh, the two Canadians players just definitely got AV happy. In the trades front, looks like Mikhail Skokov has been moved and he's going to the New York Islanders. And Mikhail Sergachev has also been moved to the Carolina Hurricanes. So it looks like the Jazz did get started pretty quick and made his first move tonight. So it looks like San Jose has pretty much given up on his Russian duo there and starting to rebuild the rebuild potentially, but we'll see what happens. So, all right, time to introduce our guest. This guy is arguably one of the most consistent GMs of all time. He's won a cup in pretty much every league, always at the top. Blue Jay, 22. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, excited and honored to be on. Hopefully, give the the boys some good content tonight. Yeah, they uh, came in clutch with some questions here. But before we do that, when did you get started in RGMG? I first got started. I want to say in 2016. I think RGMG, the pool, was the first league I joined, and then I kind of just segued that into um, 4.0. They kind of started around the same time. Um, I remember actually my first. Uh, my first memory of 4.0 was actually Nail rejecting, actually vetoing one of the first trades <laughs> I ever made. Um, and he, uh, yeah, I think he was super nervous at the time. I was like my first time doing assembly and all of that. It was an awful, terrible trade um, involving like Gramlin and a bunch of scrubs. Um, but, you know, since then, learned, moved on, and have been able to find success in 4.0, 5.0, and now this league as well. So 4.0 was your first sim league? Yes. And, did, and you went a cop in that league, right? Near the end there? Yeah, it took a while, but eventually um, the Minnesota Wild were able to pull one off during the Zetaquist years. So, um, fuck, Quags, if you're listening, there's no excuse, man. PJ did it in his first first league. He got a cop within seven or eight seasons, so good shit there. So, yeah, let's get into yeah. some questions here, man. Uh, first one, looks like the Ducks are finally rebuilding. Are you doing a full rebuild or just a retool? Uh, I don't know. It's going to depend on the goalie situation. We have some nice pieces in the prospect pool, and some current roster players are in their primes and young enough where we could probably keep them, hold on to them for a few more years, and then maybe um, you know they'll be part of the next core. It's really just going to depend on the goalie situation and what's out there in the market. Probably it's going to take at least probably one, two to three years. It'll just really depend on that goalie. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how you do this because we've had, we've seen a couple of rebuilds go through in this league and a lot of them have been failures so hopefully you come out on top <laughs> in this in this league right here like goalies premium goalies are probably the hardest you know piece to acquire for a team so it's really going to be a challenge but you know i'm looking forward to it right on so you've had a lot of success in this league uh multiple cup finals a cup um what do you say to those that say it was a product of a weak division product of a weak division uh Probably some half true, to be honest. Um, but, you know, with that said, we did give, like, you know, I think my teams, they beat some really, really good teams to get to those cup finals appearances. Um, some GMs, they put together some really good teams. Um, immediately that comes to my mind is John. He built a Colorado Avalanche team that prime McKinnon, prime Landis Gog, prime Rantanen. He had a very formidable squad, and he's doing a great job, you know, kind of rebuilding that core. Uh, Otis and his Blues, I'm honestly shocked they didn't pick up one. That was probably one of the most consistent teams in the early parts of 6.0. 
Um, so just teams like that, you know, obviously the Pacific is the Pacific. Um, MM is another shout. He, his flames were pretty consistent in the beginning for the most pros- for the most part, but at the end we were able to come out top. So I, you know, obviously the Pacific was weak at certain parts. We, we did beat some pretty good teams to get to our cup finals. Yeah, I mean, like it, it probably helps the first two rounds, but at the end of the day, you got to face the top dog in the central. So I don't think it's like a cakewalk necessarily. And then Dallas came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and they're back this year. So fuck. Finland. So take us through your decision on uh, drafting Sean Blackwood. Oh my god. Um, so at the time, I remember Blackwood's draft bio. He was the nail really pumped his tires up. I think in the draft bio, he was supposed to be like the words dominant force were in there. God, the scout on him, James Neal comp. I was thinking at the time, okay. Dominant Force, James Neal. Again, we don't have the ratings at this point. There's no letter grade. So I'm thinking this guy's at least a first-line power forward, second-line minimum. And at the time, you know, I didn't realize that power forwards don't are just absolute shit in this kind of sim version. Uh, that was a <laughs> humongous mistake. Because uh, Caputo was still there, the Taylor Hall comp. There's really, even if you want to, like, you know, just by, like, roster formation and all that i had another first round pick just three picks later and blackwood would definitely been available at the time so that's probably my biggest regret of 6.0 i kind of atoned for it because i used him as the main piece and the panarin trade and then panarin of course was mr clutch throughout our playoff runs um, i think he scored the tangle and the wingle in game six the one where i won the cup so you know it all worked out for me in the end but definitely a humongous misfire yeah, despite uh, watching that pick, you, you've had some great success. So, but it would have been scary to see what what happened if you had uh, Jeff Caputo. Uh, what could have been? So, who who are your top GMs in this league, in your opinion? Let's let's limit it to five. Five, okay. Um, obviously, Kiki and the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, whether it's been four point oh, five point oh, six point oh, they've been a constant mainstay. Um, Otis comes to my mind immediately in the 5.0 Sim League. I think he won one in 4.0 as well, but Otis picked up a rare cup win where JE just kind of dominated the league. And, of course, he's been building consistent teams throughout 6.0. He's one that comes to my mind. Uh, let's see here. Who else is there? Otis, PK. I really like MM, what he does. Of course, you got to give recognition for his dominant run in 5.0. Like, when I bring these GMs, I'm thinking about their 4.0, 5.0, 6.0 runs, their total body of work. Inane, he did pick up a cup in 4.0, and then I remember, I don't think he made the playoffs the rest of the Sim League, but he's had success, and of course, having those cups, I think that's two cups for him now. That's a big deal. And then TL, he's been, when it comes to roster construction and having a plan for their teams and all that, you got to give him credit. And then, of course, he picked up that cup win against myself as well. Um, so those are just names that immediately come to my mind. On that note, are you still upset that I helped him in the Game 7 with his lines? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'll be honest. At the time, I was I was definitely a little bit pissed. Game 7 losses for Game 7 Cup Finals losses. Oh, Tana there. I got to throw him in there. Honorable mention for Top Gems. But... I only throw him there because I know he lost the game seven to JE. He still talks about how much it hurts. Um, yeah, that game seven hurt. At the time, I was pissed off. But then thinking back, I don't think Patricia, that was a change, right? Jaleel yeah. Patricia for Muzzin, right? Yeah. I don't think that change in the long run would have made a difference. I think the biggest difference was, or the biggest turning point of that game was Kevin Wheats's my. He, at the time, he was my fourth liner. He was dominating TL. I think he got a hat trick in game six. And then TL decided to bring out the goon squad and injure him midway through the game. And then, of course, his fourth line was the one that scored in overtime. So, no, I can't say I really, like, in hindsight, I can't really blame the the, the switch. More so, Wheats is getting hurt is, I think, what undone me. I think if he was still healthy and still matching up against that line, who knows? But that's what could have been. And TL definitely deservedly won his cup. Yeah, it was impressive that you fought back, though you were down 3-1 at some point. So uh, you definitely had some great teams there. So who's yeah. your favorite uh, trade partner in 6.0? Ooh, uh, I have a pretty good network. Um, obviously, you know, whether it's been 4.0, 5.0, I haven't been afraid to make big moves. 
probably my most consistent partner has been Quags, although he and I, I don't think we've made a good deal. I think we've only made stinky deals. Uh, <laughs> the Laneford for Kovacic, Kaido swaps. Uh, KJ probably has been my most consistent trade partner throughout 4.0. We had a really good trade. You know, I know he gets a bad rep, and most of the time it's probably deserved, but he and I have had a pretty good business relationship as far as trading goes. He's probably the person I've traded with the most. And then Otis and I have definitely had some moves um, that passed. Let's see who else is going through the DMs right now, or whatever you call these on kick. <laughs> Zfetch, interesting enough, I probably Zfetch is probably one that I've probably made top five deals with. Yet at the same time, I know a bunch of Penguins were put on, they were given low, limited no-trade clauses, and somehow Anaheim was on those limited trade clauses, like those uh, no-trade clauses. Um those are just some of the names that immediately come to my mind. But I would probably say the person I've made the most deals with is surprisingly KJ. Wow, I don't, I don't, I would never want to make deals with KJ, but if it works for you, then right on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking fleece me for uh, Pavel Zaka, but we'll, we'll move on. Um, uh, brutal, yeah. So speaking of trades, um, you're known for being like that last minute trade deadline kind of guy, making making a huge deal out of nowhere within a couple minutes left. Um, which one do you regret the most and which one paid off the most? Definitely regret the most recent one, the Yossi and Arvidsson for basically my future at the time. Um, I don't regret making the move. The first round pick, the extra one the following year was probably unnecessary, but I was going for the cup at the time and I knew the core was getting old and up there. Um, I would rather... You know, when it comes to training, I would rather trade and fail, even if it means losing assets, than that we can say, you know, I did my best. We were going for the cup. Didn't happen. All good. Then rather, you know, not make any moves, go into the playoffs, lose. And then I'm going, what could have been, um, you know, oh, I could have made this move. This guy was on the market and all that. I think some GMs, you know, they have, they're really close to the cup. They have the assets in the prospect pool. And then just like, you know, that final edge or, that fear of losing that first round pick, a lot of the times, just sometimes, you know, giving up like a 25th or a 26th overall pick for, you know, whether it's like a top six guy or top four guy can make a humongous difference and pay off the long run. Definitely the trade that I uh, benefited most from was the Panarin trade. That was a game changer for the organization. Um, great chemistry. I could slot him pretty much anywhere in the lineup. And of course, he was immensely clutch in the playoffs. I'm going to have to agree with you there, but uh, when you're placing in the 20-plus range, those picks aren't super valuable unless you hit on like a good scout. So if you can get a guy who's a solid rental and maybe even re-sign him like you did Panarin for, like, I don't know how many years you had him for, but that was definitely Six worth giving like up. Yeah. So that's some good moves there, buddy. Um, who's your favorite all-time created player that you've drafted? That I've drafted? Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to a 4.0 crony. Um, his name was Pierre Hervé Latrie. He was a Mike Camilleri comp. I think he was an 8.0 B, I want to say. Um, solid, but nothing like franchise potential or anything. All he ended up doing was becoming like a point-per-game player. And when I won my cup in 4.0 against um, Nail, he ended up going point-per-game throughout the entire playoffs, won the comp Smythe. Uh, he's, I still remember you know, his skill and all that. Like, I mean, it was 4.0 was four years ago. I'm bringing his name up. So he's definitely probably one of my top, like, best <laughs> draft picks of all time because I think I got him at 15th, too, and he was amazing value at that point. Sounds like a solid pick for sure. Um, who are your top five Russian cronies of all time? Ooh, I did list these, actually. Uh, five, I'm going to go with Alexander Radulov. I only had him for three or four seasons. I think he was point per game in every season. He was part of the Russian, Russian synergy, Russian mafia core that won me a cup. Four, I'm going to give a shout out to Nikolai Goldobin um, from 6.0 version. Well, there he go. Um, he was, you know, he's not a star by any means, but he was a consistent 35 to 45 point guy on my third line. And for some reason, I'm pretty sure his important game rating was like 20 because he would oh. score like four overtime goals every playoff. Oh, yeah. That I did. Yeah, he was clutch. Three. Three, I only, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I know, and of course, multiple cup winner as well. I know he was on the Blackhawks as well for your cup run, right? Yeah. Three, I'm going to give, I only had him for a couple seasons, but 
um, when we did the in five the Cabriolet from Andre Markov trade. Yeah. That paid off dividendly. I know that was a win-win trade, but Markov, I think, was in the playoffs. I remember. I think he had like twenty points in like twenty-four games. Consistent fifty-point demon for me. Um, that was a game changer as well. And of course, Russian Mafia. You know, he did his best on like he served his purpose on the team. Uh, two five point oh Pavel Datsuk. I don't really need to break him down too much. Just you know, he did like eighty-point guy, two-way guy. Put him in. I could put him in like. 20 minutes a night, great player. And then number one is definitely by far uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, who uh, he was probably the best, one of the best, if not the best, 5.0 player. For some reason, EHM made him like a crazy two-way forward. Uh, he would get like 80 points a year. He'd get like 300 hits, and then he'd get like three shorthanded points every year. Um, absolute phenomenal force. There's probably I probably won't have a player like that or better than him in any version of sim moving forward i actually remember watching a live sim and i think it was at the playoffs against tl and he scored a short-handed goal <laughs> that's pretty funny and i re- that was against that was against spot and i think okay. spot lost one of his nine couple lives that day because that was the game that the goalie got hurt <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> Fuck motor. um so gfy has this question about your 5.0 cup winning team what made you decide to risk it and fast track rebuild? I mean, you kind of answered that already. You'd rather go for it, but is there anything else you'd like to add? That one was unique in the sense that, well, the Datsuk Franzen trade paid off immensely. I traded, I remember trading Datsuk. It was Datsuk and Franzen, like a second round pick for, I want to say, Kyle Turris, who never played a single game. Uh, Braden Holtby, who I don't think had a save percentage ever above nine or whatever and then a first round pick who i think it was actually at neater like that pick was used to draft a scott niedermeyer comp but i don't think the niedermeyer comp ever played <laughs> so that actually worked out for me in the long run somehow amazingly um the big trade that pulled it off was the infamous boost trade i'm sure everyone here in 5.0 remembers it yep. um that opportunity came just kind of came in my lap and i acquired cabriolet i acquired radulov i acquired Pecorine. I could basically when you acquire a 1D, a, a top wiener, and a goalie in the same trade, your team is just going to naturally, you know, rise up the rankings. So I kind of got lucky in that sense. But buying those first two years, I already had a pretty strong core, and I had I knew I was keeping Kolchuk. I knew I was keeping um, a couple pieces on my roster. I had the pieces. Once I filled out the goalie and like you know, the top defenseman, all that, I knew we were going to find success. I didn't expect to win, but I knew we were going to be better after that. Yeah, you absolutely fleece boost in that deal. That was such a good trade for you. Fuck, <laughs> um, <laughs> right on. Um, which cup win of yours was your most satisfying? Probably the 4.0 win, just because it was my first ever win in RGMG. And then that Minnesota Wild team, you know, they started off, you got to remember, this is 2016-17, so... They were pretty good then, but they also had the Parisian Suter contracts. So when they eventually got bad, Parisian Suter was still on the team. And I had to deal with like a 38, 39-year-old Parisi just averaging 38 points on my fourth line, making $7 million a year for a few years. And we definitely endured some tough times, and I was definitely learning how to GM at that point still. And then caught a lucky break. Made this, I got the Zetterquist twins, which was a game changer. Um, shout out to Hayes, thank you for making that possible. And then I got um, all the home quests, and I made all of a sudden I had this amazing core. And that was probably the most satisfying because that was definitely, I worked really hard to create that team. And then, of course, that was another game seven win against, you know, Nail, who I think either won the year before or the year after. So, um, yeah, that's definitely one that I'll still remember. Yeah, it's pretty impressive to win a cup in the first time in your league as well. Um, so if you're commissioner for a day, which GM would you fire or reassign to the PK School of Development? Cannot be Quags because he's already a student. Can't be Quags. I'm going to say, you know, I know he just won, but I'm going to have to say ZP here. I don't really have to go that far into history for a reason why. I'm immediately going to go to that wrist align and comp trade um you know zp i think deserves credit of course he definitely fixed that arizona uh, bottom six um got some good players there and then i he had definitely 
he was it was a wild ride in 5.0 with ZP. Um, his <laughs> Canadians were a meme team, and then they were became like contenders overnight all of a sudden. But that wrist alignment trade, I, I'm just looking at this. I'm like, my, well, my first question is why did he agree to this, and then my second question is how the hell did Tanev get a second round pick out of this deal? Um, so that's uh, probably one guy that I think just with a little more fine tuning and tweaking and cheese, and he could be a good GM because he's got the bold moves. He just needs to be smart about it. <laughs> one, guy, <laughs> yeah. I'll, um, one guy I'll also put in there is probably Apollo just because he's new too. Um, Apollo, of course, I know he you uh, made it to the, the, the finals against your team, had a great run. Um, you know, he's kind of had an up and down time in RGMG. Sometimes some of his moves have kind of left me scratching my head like it's are you contending, are you rebuilding? There's one trade I remember he did – uh, Thomas Shabbat for like a Noah Hannafin comp that was like ready at age 19 and I think he was like still kind of in like that rebuilding retooling mode so I was like what? That doesn't make sense but those are two guys that I think with just a little bit more fine tuning can end up being you know good GMs moving forward for 8.0 or 9.0 or whatever the next sim is. Yeah for sure it's pretty hard to pick uh, pick a guy like that especially when Quags is off the table so um, those two guys I mean. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll throw in Tanev in there for trading that goalie. <laughs> I think when he went to Detroit, the <laughs> first immediately move was just boost Nashville for some reason. And then, like, Tanev's got, like, amazing pieces on his team. I still don't understand. Maybe I'm better because Winter used my lottery pick to make that trade happen. But I'm, like, looking at Detroit. I'm like, hmm, they could really use a goalie right now. And then I look <laughs> at Lavalie, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's no one more upset than me, though, because he's in the Central, and that pretty much fast-tracked his rebuild. And- Another force in the finals last year. <laughs> All right, so moving on here. Um, who, who do you think is your biggest rival of all time, and who would you want to face in the Stanley Cup Finals one day? Ooh, biggest rival. I'm trying to think of biggest rival. Obviously, I'm thinking of multiple playoff appearances that I've had. I would honestly probably say PK would probably be you, just because the Wild, I remember in 4.0, um, during the Parisi Suter days, we had some good teams, but I remember the Wild beat us a couple of times, and then in 6.02, I know you, um, I think my Ducks team with Getzloff and Perry, we had a couple of rounds where we were really close, got to the conference finals, but then I think you beat us in the conference finals once. The only time I think I've actually been able to... Uh, beat you in a series was the infamous uh, Thrashers, Blackhawks in the league um, the finals matchup yeah. where Nail just decided to well obviously, you know, understandably so there's a bunch of stuff going on, but then Nail just dropped basically the entire playoffs in one sim post and I was just swimming through and I was like okay, 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 okay we're doing pretty good here <laughs> and I just decided to skip to the end and I was like wait, what the hell just happened? And I went through it again I was like oh so that was probably, I would say probably the Blackhawks beating PK. And then, you know, I'm going to throw in Otis in there as well because I've had some really good matchups against him. And then I'm going to get one off TL one of these days. I mean, I have to get my revenge. I'm happy he won, but I'm like, I hate losing, especially in the Game 7 that just burned. So I definitely remember that Game 7 final. I hope to have another great matchup with him one day. Awesome. Yeah, I, I totally forgot our rivalry back in the day in 4.0. Uh, the Wild, and I think GFY was in there too. It was just us three just going at it. <laughs> and TL, I think TL, <laughs> TL was in there too, I think, with the Predators in 4.0, I believe. So it was just, just Yeah, TL, that division was absolutely stacked. You know what? I, I don't do this guy, uh, you know. I mean, no, he has a reputation, all that, but uh, Rush and TRR, he won a cup. He's won a couple cups as well, and he um, he's built some pretty formidable squads over the time. I know um, some trade. Well, to be honest, He's made some pretty good trades to put himself in that position. TL, I only bring him up because that's Central Division 4.0. Uh, I think TL, he had the, when it was all said and done, he had like the highest winning percentage record of any GM in 4.0, yet he was the only Central team not to win a cup, which I thought was ha- funny and sad <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, well, that was some good times. And I think the Central in this league is kind of similar, but definitely not as bad as it used to be back in the day. Oh, man. All for right. sure. All right, so that's it for the league questions. Let's do some of these funny ones here. So, Mary oh, fuck, God. oh God, Mary fuck kill Kaz, PK, Mikey. Uh, I'll marry PK. I think that's a good long term investment. Uh, seems like PK probably has his shit together compared to the other two. 
you know, I'll fuck Kaz. He's probably, you know, obviously, I think Kaz would be in for a good time, not a long time. We'd just get it over and done with, and then we'd probably smoke some darts afterwards, and then I'll kill Quags. That's probably, you know, just get it over with. Like Quags, but, you know, comparing to the other two, you just gotta get it over with. Well, the last guy was Mikey. <laughs> oh, Mikey? Well, we're killing Quags anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, damn, Mikey... Mikey's a good cheese partner, but yeah, we gotta let Mikey go. Can't fucking old guy. Yeah, he's too overpowered right now with his leaves, so he's gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so, who would you start a hype house with? I'm gonna throw in PK. AV, I think it would be a great guy to throw in a hype house. Nail, I'll throw in in there as well. Uh, I'll throw in TL in there. I feel like I don't think I've ever had a bad conversation with TL. Um, to be honest, most of the guys here I get along pretty well. Um, and you know what? One guy that, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw in Boost there. We could probably find room in the attic or the basement, but a guy who can cook and who likes board games, that's a really underrated roommate to have. So we'll go ahead and throw him in there. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> I see the reactions on that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the guys that come off the top of my head. John seems like a pretty good guy. We'll throw him in there as well. That'd be a fucking shit show, but it'd be a fucking fun time for sure. <laughs> I thought about I thought about BK, but he seems like a guy that would like bring a girl over every other day, and you know can't have that. We gotta have some time for the boys. Exactly. Um, who are your top five athletes of all time? Any sport? Any sport? Ooh, uh, Tom Brady probably comes immediately comes to my mind just for longevity. Mike Trout, um, obviously. And so I used to. Before COVID, I was working a little bit with the Angels. Got to see him watch Lifetime every day. He's the only reason why the city of Anaheim hasn't had mass suicides. Uh, I'm going to throw in Crosby and Ovechkin are probably the best players, you know, for our age that I've seen. Um, I'll kind of lean them into one. 100%. And then Kobe Bryant as well. I got to, you know, being in the Orange County LA area, I've got to watch him play a couple of games. Phenomenal athlete. Uh, his mentality is something that. I've tried to take it with me when it comes to, you know, playing my own games or when it comes to work and I have to, like, you know, be in competition with other people. He's Those are probably the top athletes that I would say I've seen, you know, live and all that. Those are the guys that immediately come to my mind. Right on, right on. And rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. Oh, for sure. Rest in peace. So what's your uh, squat, bench, and deadlift? <laughs> so I don't really squat a whole lot. Um, I got... Uh, so I've had a bunch of knee injuries. There was like a five-year span in high school where I had like three knee surgeries, including both of my ACL. So I, I'll still do legs, but I probably won't squat as often just because they're a little bit hard on the knees. I do instead of squat, I'll throw in a leg press. Uh, let's see. I need to do some math. I don't know. Forty-five. Forty-five. There's a good math expert here on the board. What's forty-five times eight? So let me throw that in. That's what that is for the leg press. Bench is, yeah, yeah, interior knee pain. That's exactly it. Uh, bench, let's see here, 45, probably one, 165, 175. I'm, the bench is getting better, but I haven't really been working out a lot. I think I've actually probably lost a little bit. And then deadlift is, uh, I hate the deadlift, but probably... Not much. Two, I want to say 250, 255 range since the last time I did. I haven't been to the gym in like a week or so, so I'd have to test that out again. That's probably the numbers that I'll throw out there. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to do those exercises. Uh, I know BK likes doing them. He's a young guy. He's probably relatively new to lifting, and he's probably just crushing crushing those lifts. But as you get older, man, you just kind of have to do what works for your body. And Those three aren't def right. definitely not universal for everyone. Um, I, with my with my leg in, like injury, yeah. I gotta be like careful, you know, with like when it comes to legs and all that. So honestly, I'm more. I don't really care about the size. Just give, give me some good tone for you know, and we'll call it a day. Right on. So, <laughs> tell us about your COVID experience. Why did you think it was a good <laughs> idea to go to Vegas in the middle of the <laughs> pandemic? <laughs> so, first off, I did not think it would be a good idea to go to Vegas in the middle of the pandemic, but I did it anyways. Um, you know, just wanted to blow off some steam. At the time, I went from, you know, three jobs to, like, zero jobs rather quickly. But it was a pretty good year financially before that. COVID was, um, you know, working for the Ducks, working for the Angels, and then working at a gym. All three of those got wiped out at the same time. So I was like, all right, let's just go blow off some steam. It's 4th of July weekend. Let's have fun. 
it wasn't like I was actively seeking it. Um, you know, we wore masks the entire time, had a great time. I don't really regret the trip because we had a lot of good memories on that weekend. Uh, but then, you know, no surprise, come back, and then boom, got hit. The COVID part wasn't necessarily the hard part. I mean, I think the worst thing was I lost my sense of smell for a couple of days. But for the most part, I was relatively healthy. The isolation is by far the worst part of COVID because I didn't see anybody for two weeks. Is like mostly FaceTimes and calls, but nobody would interact with me, understandably so. I was locked in my room for two weeks, um, didn't go out um, rarely. That was probably the worst part. That was definitely the biggest learning moment for me of COVID. Um, so, yeah, COVID is real, guys. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, man, you're a young dude, so you could definitely fight that, fight the COVID off pretty easily. So, no regrets no, there, right? Fuck. No, no I, did, I did not fucking Vegas stripper nail. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite mafia moment? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, what, the one that immediately comes to my mind, AV and Z Fetch know it. Um, I got, uh, Beluga Whale was involved, uh, 112 was involved. I don't know, for those that don't play mafia, those, they probably don't recognize those names, but I produced a, an epic copy pasta where those two were just fighting over who was like, it was us four. I was the lone mafia guy. Um, and then there was uh, BW, one with two, and then there was DM. And DM basically had a humongous brawl with one one two in the middle of the game. I kind of checked out mentally. And then he was expecting to be voted out and then somehow survived. He came back at like 10, 15, like I want to say like an hour before the end of the round ended, which only made his case look worse. I was able to pull it off. That was probably one of my most epic Mafia wins. And then it produced quite an epic copy pasta. I wonder if AV or... Yeah, there it is. <laughs> that was quite a game. <laughs> I feel uh, kind of like left out. Like Mafia seems like to have some pretty good memories and a lot of good guys in there. Should have should have played a lot of... You know, the RGM... There's a big RGMG uh, Mafia crossover. Um, a lot of the lads are actually in it as well. Um, you know, G5 and Bear, they haven't really played a whole lot, but they were playing before I got there. So there's always been a strong uh, Mafia and RGFG connection. Yeah, I think I just have too low of IQ to play something like that. But <laughs> Too high of an IQ, actually. It's, it's the complete opposite. The more autistic you are, the better you are. Oh, really? I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> <laughs> is that. Is Kaz good at it? Yeah, exactly. That probably <laughs> illustrates the point. Um, what's your go-to drink at the bar or club? Ooh, um, I'm not a big, huge club guy. Um, live in Orange County, the club scene's kind of trash, to be honest. If you want to go clubbing, you're going to go to L.A. Um, I'd, I'd rather, you know, rather than clubbing and drinking dirty Shirley's with a thought, I'd rather, like, you know, hang out with the boys, play cornhole, and, like, sip on a nice porter or stout. So probably, you know, craft beers is probably where I would go to. Um, probably, yeah, I would say, like, give me a good dark beer, whether it's, like, a porter or stout. I'll go for that, and then maybe like if I had to do hard alcohol, tequila. Oh yeah, I love tequila. We gotta we gotta get some shots one day if I'm in the area. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. When I'm if I'm in the area for sure. What are your thoughts on BJ twenty nine alias that was dubbed by Carletch? Our, our missing co host. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. At least he knows my name. What does uh, twenty two even stand for? Like is there any significance to it or yeah, that was my um, number that I would always wear, whether it would be basketball, lacrosse, baseball. Um, that was just my number that I was wear. So I just threw the 22 at the end because I think a Blue Jay was already taken in the, obviously, you know, yeah. when you're on CDC and you're with a bunch of Canadians, obviously some loser's going to just pick the word Blue Jay. So I just threw in the 22 in there to be, you know, unique. It's a nice ring to the name, though. BJ, BJ 22. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it fits. Yeah. Can't change it ever now. All right, last question here. Um, Donald Trump has invited you to the White House on the last day of his presidential term. What is one thing you would like to say to him? What the fuck? To be honest, <laughs> just the way just the way it's in, like I'll keep politics out of the side, but the way it's just ended has been it's been quite a show. Now I I work six days a week, so I don't really have time to think about all this stuff. Um, but man, just the way it's ended, like from where it was like six months ago to where it is now, it's been. You know, I don't even know where to start. I think my question would just be why, how, and just kind of get your autograph. <laughs> I wonder what Canuck Lacks would say to him. 
<laughs> I wonder what a lot of guys here would say to it, to be honest. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, BJ, for the uh, little interview there. And I'll keep you around for PK's Corner, and we'll answer some questions together. All right? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now it's time for PK's Corner. All right, it's PK's Corner. So we're going to go through this channel and uh, look at some quick questions here. It's a little bit a little bit long so far in the podcast, so we're going to answer the short ones. I do want to go over why I got that the black eye, but that'll be, on a, that'll be on a later episode. It's a pretty good story. So first question, will you ever make a trade with Monty? Probably not because you're a division rival. Have you ever made a trade with Monty, BJ? Monty and I have had lots of trade negotiations. Um, I'm not going to name drop anybody, but we've had lots of negotiations the last few years, but nothing's really been sense. Now, the only move that I made with Monty I can think of was the Morrissey trade. Um, your boy Eklund actually was involved in that. Everything was, I can't remember, Eklund, um, Jenner, and Koloskov, who was an Orloff comp. I think I, that's probably the only deal that we made. Uh, yeah, I think one in the our entire time. Um, he's a good guy. Just, you know, he's got, he's actually a pretty good negotiator. <laughs> we'll see if we can get one maybe down the road or maybe this season. It's going to be tough with no picks, but we'll see. I did make a trade with them in 5.0 for Kiprasov, so that's, that was a memorable. Oh, I remember that actually. Yeah, um, Lutch, Lutch had some memories of Kipper too. Too bad he's not on here. <laughs> so Boos is asking, will he uh, ever be I'll on the podcast? Up that with um, actually speaking of the devil, he's got a question here. How many birds do you fill, aka how many kills? Um, well, you guys got to realize that I was like a Quags tier guy until I was like 22, 21, 22. So, like, maybe one or two kills until I was, like, 22. And then, finally, you had a respectable physique and a little bit more confidence. And the kills started going up. Got in a couple of long-term relationships. So, my numbers aren't too high. I'm in the, in the low 20s. What about you, BJ? Uh, COVID's definitely made it, you know, a little bit more interesting. Work, the work schedule. I've been trying to think. Probably, I don't know really long-term relationship in the college days, which kind of sucked. <laughs> I mean, that, it, the relationship did suck, but that really took most of the college days. I was in a relationship. So probably I'm going to say five to eight. Not too many, um, you know, but, you know, made them count. It's not It's not even about the numbers. It's about the quality, right, at the end of the day? That's, yeah, that's exactly. It's about the quality, not the numbers. Um, I'm not sure why this question is here. Will I ever be on the pod? Weren't you just on the pod, boost on the draft day? Yeah, that was just a short interview. We'll definitely get you on, boost for a full-fledged 30, 40 minute interview and dissect you and completely roast you. But yeah, you'll be on for sure. This would be a good interview for sure. Yeah. All right. If Jazz and I were to be fired, who would fill the role of RGMG social justice warrior? This is actually, a good one. I actually was reading that so I could prepare for it. And uh, if I remember correctly, during that time when that shit was going down, uh, Quags was also kind of taking your eyes back low key until we roasted him and he, sh- and then he stopped talking. So. I think it would be Quags. Of course, it's Quags. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, feel free to answer this one or not. What is your favorite sex position? I'm going to have to go with uh, reverse cowgirl. Oh, I, yeah. You know what? I'm going to steal that one, too, to be honest. Yeah, is that yeah, yours, too? That's, yeah, I'll go with that one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't, yeah, have, to do, you don't have to do anything, so it's pretty nice. Right. <laughs> Least favorite NHL player and why? Um, oh, this is a good one. Start us off. I got to think of, about one about this one. Yeah, for me, um, fuck, that's tough. I mean, I don't, I don't like watch other teams and be like, oh fuck this guy. Like, um, I'll probably just pick. Uh, honestly, Tyler Myers, man, like. This guy gets paid six <laughs> six million to be a fucking goof, and somehow people are defending him the way he plays. Like, fuck out of here, man! Like, you're number five at best. Right. Uh, I mean, he better thank his agent for that one. Uh, one guy that immediately comes to my mind, I think, was Ryan Garbutt. Um, I hated him. Like, obviously, he's not in the league anymore. I hated him when he was acquired <laughs> by the Ducks. I hated him whenever he was in the league. He just was a cheap shot artist and a turtle at the same time. Similar to Matt Cook, but I think Matt Cook had a more respectable 
career and eventually winds it up. Garbutt's someone that comes to my mind. And then Maxim Lapierre, who was also a, he was a, more of a chipper than a fighter, just wanted to chip. Those two I remember watching on the TVs, I'd be like, I just want to punch those guys. Yeah, I remember Garbutt was on the Hawks for a bit too, and he's just fucking garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, next one. This is a good question for you. Who has been the biggest coward to suit up for the Blackhawks in 6.0? It's hard to just put it down to one because I make so many trades and there's definitely been some cowards to suit up for the Blackhawks, but it's always going to be Cal Foot, man. Like, I really pretty much wasted the first season uh, to tank for like a 12th overall pick and wasted it on Cal Foot, who had a top four potential and was the slow, one of the slowest defensemen in the league. So just imagine if I had like a fucking even a top like a number three guy instead back then would have been a would have made a huge difference what's you know the the way this draft is set up now obviously with 4.5.0 the grades were presented there so you kind of knew what you were getting immediately Calflet probably doesn't go i'm guessing 12 overall if we have his grade similarly with blackwood so uh what did you i remember you traded foot probably rather quickly what did you trade him for did you make up for or get good value back for him at least I guess it turned out okay. I, mean, I traded him for Brandon Carlo, gave a couple solid seasons, and then S.L. Lindell was pretty solid. But at the end of the day, man, it was a wasted pick. And I think the problem was mostly the, the comp was Travis Hamanick. And I think yeah. the, like, it's kind of, that, that comp is tough because like, when I think of Hamanick, like, yeah, he's not great right now. But I, thought, I was thinking like prime Hamanick, and this is when the new draft system was in place. So I thought maybe Prime Hamnick was like a number two, right, on the Islanders. So, right, yeah, I kind of got fucked over, but it's all good. What about you? Did you have well, like a big coward to suit up? Oh, probably for sure. You know, Blackwood never really suited up for me. He probably would have been a coward. I saw how he did on G Five's team and Bears team. I think I dodged a bullet <laughs> right there, getting rid of him rather quickly. Um, uh, I've been happy with my draft picks for the most part so far. Wheatses and um, Aramenko. I know I, I know in a redraft, Resop probably goes before Aramenko and Wheatses, but you know at the same time they did their jobs and they've been on my team still. Uh, flipping that conversely, who's been an unsung hero for the Blackhawks in six point Um, let's let's see. It's tough. It's tough because they just. An unsung hero is usually a guy that's under the radar, but those guys don't usually stay on your team for too long, right? Like a couple of seasons max. But if I were to pick like a core guy who's been pretty unsung, I would say Hampus Lindholm because he's not like an elite. He's not rated as elite, but he won a Norris Trophy. He had a sixty-point season. He's been just an absolute workhorse back there. And I know, I know you kind of regret letting him go as well. For sure. I mean. And a Norris Trophy is a Norris Trophy. I have no idea where the 60-point season came from. That's <laughs> incredible from him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a top-pairing defensive D is very probably very one of the rarest like players player types in this uh, in this league. So, yeah, absolutely. Lindholm is a beauty. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Do, do, do. On some hero, we just did that. Would you ever ban a fatty? No. Like, I... <laughs> I have standards. I can pull like at least a five if I want to. Just, like, there's no reason for me to dip below that. <laughs> well, you. Yeah, I mean, like, no, no, no. Your weight class. I mean, I've got. I'm not probably. You know, I'm not chocolate rain, but at the same time, I'm fairly good looking. I could probably. You know, I don't have to settle. Ooh, all right. Uh, you said you wanted to share the say the Shiner story for another time, right? Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and save that. Will we have a commission's thoughts session in the near future? Yeah, definitely. I was talking to Lutch about it, and we definitely want Nail on more frequently because he's not a GM, he's the commissioner, right? So it'd be nice to have him on more frequently and maybe have some tidbits leaked and maybe have like a school of Nail where he gives us some tips so we don't beat some dumbasses. But yeah, no, if Nail's down, I'd like to have him again for this season. Just maybe like a little bit of a taste of an entry course into our GMG school. I'm sure Nail would definitely help out a lot of GMs here, both new and veteran. Uh, <laughs> ZP wants to know who is winning the cup this season. Um, <laughs> that's Blackhawks, Black right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's always the goal, but 
um, I'd be happy with the conference finals. But I think uh, looking at the standings, I think Pittsburgh Penguins could surprise because they're uh, they're not like the f- super favorite. Like I know they're first in the the Metro right now, but they've lost quite a few assets like McKinnon and Ingram. So maybe maybe they win a cup when they least expect it. When they least expect it. That's always when it comes, when you least expect it. Uh, definitely won't come from the trash Pacific division. Uh, you won't see the King Sharks or Ducks or Flames, damn. Or you won't see any of those in the cup finals. Uh, early, uh, I kind of already touched on this, but early cup favorites, uh, we should probably say most part of like the standing leaders, right? Or any sneakers in there? Yeah, I think... Um... Bruins definitely could re- repeat. Uh, Canadians look pretty solid. Um, Stars have definitely been a dangerous team the last five years. Uh, they had a dead off year last year, and they're back at it. So any one of those guys is a threat. You know, the Jets, one of these days, they're going to figure it out. I mean, with their firepower on their team, um, I mean, we'll see. I'm a, we'll see about the goalies and all that. The Jets are definitely somebody that I've kind of eyed. Penguins, one of these days, they'll figure it out and all that. I'm, but, you know, the Central is so tough to get out. I wouldn't be surprised if the Central team takes it from there. A lot of good teams, actually. I'm looking at going through some of your guys' rosters. A lot of good teams. You guys have done some pretty good jobs. Uh, let's see here. What else have we got? Oh, this one's for me. Where is your dream retirement destination after RGMG and OnlyFans is done? Definitely Thailand. Oh. Um, my best friend lives there. Lots of lady boys. Uh, <laughs> apparently like steroids are cheap there so get on like a big cycle get fucking huge it's cheap to live there like you can like pay like a couple bucks for someone to like fucking give you like a full body massage and shit like that and so yeah why, why is that what it's not? called these days <laughs> yeah dude yeah that's probably an area where like you could get away like with a little bit of money you could still probably do a lot i'm gonna pick uh, you know, Hawaii. I've been, I've been blessed. I've been able to go to Maui, Oahu, the Big Island. I've never had. No one's ever. I can't think of anyone that's gone to Hawaii and been like, "Wow, that was an average and okay time." Um, so, you know, that's one where you probably got to save up a little bit longer. But I'll throw that in there once my RGMG and OnlyFans career is done. Uh, this one's a good one for you because I don't know much about this place. What is the best and worst part about living in? How do you pronounce this? Nanam- Nanaimo. How do you say your, <laughs> city, your city? Nanaimo. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right, man. It's a small town. Like uh, the best part is you can get point A to point B within ten minutes max, so you don't have to worry about traffic or anything like that, which is great. Uh, when I was in Vancouver and even New York, it's just a pain in the ass to get somewhere. So I, I just when yeah, when you're talking about your city and the best thing that you have to bring about is you don't have to worry about the traffic. Yeah, it's probably it's probably better out there. I mean, have you always, have you grown up? Always been in? Um, yeah, always been there. Yeah, the whole life. So the worst part about it is probably just being here so long, it kind of gets boring. and There's not much to do compared to like Victoria, Vancouver, and you know, the bars. How far, are you away? How far away are you from Victoria, Vancouver? I don't really know. I, I, the dream goal, of course, is to Vancouver, you know, visit Vancouver one of these days. But how far away are you from most of the boys? Uh, Vancouver is just a two-hour ferry or a 20-minute seaplane, and Victoria is a, an hour and a half drive. Depending how fast you can go, it can be a little bit less. I got it. So a little bit of a distance, but I mean, not too bad. Good question here from TRR. Skiing or snowboarding? I'm a pretty clumsy dude, and I, I prefer skiing just to have those poles for a little bit more stabilization. You seem like a snowboarding guy, though, will you? I've actually, you know, I've been, I'm a lifelong skier. I was, um, uh, there, we have a mountain club man. I was actually in the high school days before I fucked my knees up. I was, I, I was skied constantly, but I was invited to do the ski team there. I chose sports over that and obviously the area and all of that. But uh, I'm a big skier. Love skiing. You're absolutely right. The poles make a huge difference. I don't know why anybody, why we they even teach people how to ski without poles to begin with. Snowboarding, you're on your ass constantly. I mean, it's probably easier on the legs, but at the same time, just sitting on a cold, having to like buckle your shit and all that. I've never <laughs> yeah. really like been like, no, thank you. Uh, Mary, fuck, kill. Marku? Denisenko Skokov. This is a really bad question. Like, I don't know what the That's fuck. Cool. Is he? Well, it's from you know. <laughs> we'll guess who it's from. Yeah, obviously. Can, yeah. Can we get thoughts on Blackwood's attributes? Whoa, that's not too bad. That's Blackwood's attributes there. That seems like damn. Seems like a missed opportunity. Look at his speed, though. 
Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> True power. So here's a fun fact about Blackwood. I did a uh, comprehensive report on him. His alt comp is Blackhawk legend Nick Ritchie. That's not good. <laughs> it's not good. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, uh, Av wants to know Toronto trip when. Yeah, well, um, pretty soon I want to definitely go to Toronto. Maybe once I'm in New York, I can make a quick stop there and uh, see some family, maybe see some of the boys, maybe see my uh, see my girl in Sudbury and see BK there, but uh, hopefully within the next two years. <laughs> Just, you know, reach out <laughs> the, the PK network and all that. AV, I know we have a couple of you. AV's in Toronto. Um, Sonny's in Toronto, right? Yeah. I know that's kind of a couple, we have a couple people there. John, BK, uh, Lutch, obviously. So it's like five or six guys there. So Follow up on that. When's the California trip to party with me and Tanev? I was in Cali uh, last last March. It was in, For real? Yeah, it was, it was for work, but I was there. Uh, fuck, I forget where it was. But uh, I was there for a couple of days. It was pretty nice. It's just so much different than Canada. Yeah, I mean, in March, there's probably still snow in Canada. In March in California, it's already like 90 degrees. Yeah, it was beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, boys, do you have any more questions, or are we going to wrap this up? Yeah, we're at 51 minutes. We set a record tonight, boys, but time, just, time just flew. It was a great interview. Um, maybe we can answer a couple more yeah. if there's anything good here. Never had a na-na-na more bar. No, I can't say I've ever had a na-na-na more bar. Please. <laughs> What we got here? Richie equivalent to James Neal. Yeah, what the hell's up with that now? No, I've never been to BC, Bruce. Uh, the closest I got, I took a Alaskan cruise. We ported. The port was in Vancouver, but I mean that obviously doesn't count. I never stopped into Vancouver. It is on the when I pass by, it looked beautiful. Um, definitely, the dream is to one day, you know, visit Vancouver. I want to see Canada. Um, you know, that's definitely on the goal. And then, of course, visit some of the RGOG boys. Aramanko for long? No. I, th- I think I have a good idea now. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask the guest to nominate someone to be the guest for the next podcast. So out of all the guys, oh, that, haven't, sure, yeah. out of all the guys that haven't been interviewed yet, uh, including Boos, who would you who would you nominate? I'm going to nominate... It comes to my mind. Quags, ooh, I don't know. Quags and Lutch, like, I think, I like Quags, but Quags and Lutch would be an interesting combo because I feel like Lutch would ask for him to be fired at least 10 times on there. <laughs> I'm going to nominate John. John, yeah, that's a good one. All right. John, if you're here. Or Jifa. John, you're up next, buddy, so let's schedule a time and let's get this interview done. For sure. Yeah, that'd be a good guy right there. All right. Well, thanks, BJ, and thanks, guys, for tuning in. That's episode eight of RGMG, and take care.